The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 182 Fruits of Christ's Ministry A household in Jesus' hometown of Capernaum awoke to a dreadful day. One of the young servants in the house was dying. The other servants and the family they worked for were heartbroken to see this young man tormented by this sickness, and they were grieved knowing he would die soon. The young man convulsed in bed, unable to control his body, and cried out in pain. At his bedside, an army doctor tried futilely to calm him as a nurse rushed out to fetch more water and a maid picked up the medical supplies that had been knocked to the floor. At the open bedroom door, the master of the house watched the misery continue. He ordered his aide to fetch his courier, who arrived at the master's side within moments. The man wrote a terse note and handed it to the courier. Take this to the elders of the Jews. Jesus looked up from his morning meal. He was not expecting visitors this early, so someone was probably experiencing a problem and urgently needed his help. He could help. He would help, especially if the person in need believed. Jesus opened the door to find four elders of Capernaum. Such men would usually send a servant to relay a message, but these men had come personally. Good morning, said one of the men. I am sorry to disturb you, but an important man has requested your help. He is the centurion of the troops stationed here in Capernaum. His servant has a terrible case of palsy and is suffering very badly. He loves that young man like his own son and has asked if you would heal him. This centurion is a worthy man. Another elder added, You should do this for him. He loves our nation, and he was actually the one who sponsored the synagogue on Ansheva Street. Jesus was willing to heal people, whether they were prominent or not, but he simply nodded. I will come and heal him. Taking his cloak, Jesus joined the men, and they began walking briskly across town. A few passers-by, recognizing Jesus, began to follow him. After a few minutes, the small group crested a hill and saw the centurion's estate. As they watched, a couple of soldiers and two other men exited the gate and strode quickly toward them. Greetings from the centurion of Capernaum, said one of the soldiers. I am Legate Lucanus. We are friends of the centurion. We notified him that you were on your way to the estate and he dispatched me to deliver these exact words from him to you. Lord, please do not trouble yourself. I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. That is why I did not think myself worthy to come to you. But just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. Jesus raised his eyebrows in surprise. This Roman centurion was showing graciousness and humility. 
even though the centurion was militarily and politically far more powerful than Jesus or any of the other Jews, he regarded Jesus as Lord. The centurion also knew the other Jews would consider Jesus to be defiled if he entered the home of a Roman. Rather than ignoring that, he accommodated them for the sake of Jesus' reputation. But Jesus could tell there was even more to this centurion, whom he still had not met. It seemed he had deep faith. The centurion knew his suffering servant would be healed, even if Jesus did not come and administer any medicine, perform any ritual, say any words, touch him, or even see him. The soldier continued relaying the words of the centurion. I myself am a man set under authority, and I myself have soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes. I say to another one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Jesus marveled at what he had just heard. This Roman army officer truly believed in Jesus' ability to heal. He knew that when he issued an order, it would be done. And he believed that if Jesus issued an order, it too would be done. Take note of this, Jesus said, turning to the elders and the others who were listening. I have not found faith this great anywhere, not anywhere in all Israel. Jesus wasn't impressed by the centurion's high rank or because he built a synagogue, but he was impressed by his faith. If only the Jewish people could have such simple, strong faith. Many will come from all around and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus told the Jews with him. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Jewish religious leaders expected to be the sons of the kingdom, but all of their religious ideas were worthless compared to real, active faith like that of the centurion. Jesus began to walk again not toward the centurion's estate, but back toward his own home. The elders and the others were confused, but did not say anything, eventually walking back to their own homes and places of business. Watching the group of people disappear back over the hill from one of his balconies, the centurion took a deep breath. He was filled with joy. He did not know what words Jesus had used to respond to his message but he knew that he had given the order for his servant to be healed. Turning into the house, he passed his courier, his quartermaster, and his exhausted army doctor, all of them sober-faced. Cheer up, said the centurion with a laugh. Then shouting down the hallway, he said, Marcus, I know you have been healed, my boy. Time to get up. Shocked. The men watched as the servant, sweaty from his ordeal, and still in bedclothes, peeked out of the bedroom. The centurion embraced him. He was completely healed. Before the end of the week, Jesus and his disciples traveled to a city called Nine, 20 miles southwest of Capernaum. Despite the considerable distance, a large throng of people followed them on their journey. As they approached the gate to the city, they encountered a sad sight. 
a funeral procession. They learned that the only son of a widow had died. The widow walked at the front of the procession, looking down and weeping softly. Without her son, she was alone, and she would probably soon fall into even worse poverty without him to take care of her. Jesus had compassion on the woman. Do not cry, he said to her as he stepped toward the men carrying the pallet that held the boy's shrouded body. The men stopped when Jesus reached out and touched the pallet. The multitudes following Jesus and the mourners watched expectantly. What was about to happen? Jesus looked directly at the body and said, Young man, I say to you, arise. Suddenly, the body sat upright. The crowd gasped. Mother, mother, are you there? The muffled voice came from the shrouds covering the body. It was the young man. The people shouted in astonishment and joy. He's alive. This man has raised the child from the dead. A great prophet has risen up among us. Glorify God. This is a great day. Glorify God. God has visited his people. Reports of Jesus' miracles spread throughout the entire nation and beyond. The news even reached the prisons and John the Baptist. Confined in a stone cell, John the Baptist waited. He had been in prison for months. He did not want to be jailed, and he did not want to die, but he knew he had accomplished his mission and prepared the way for the Christ. Somewhere out there, he was preaching the truth and getting ready to sacrifice himself to save mankind. The sound of the heavy, rusted metal door moving meant someone was coming into this part of the cell block. With four stone walls to look at and only a bland meal pushed under the bars of his door twice each day, any activity was interesting. Visitors, barked the guard through the cell door. Master, came another voice. Recognizing the voice, John stood up from his pallet and went to the door. In the dim light, he could barely see two of his disciples. Hey Hood, Haran, thank you for visiting me here. It is very good to see you again. Master, we are happy to see you as well. We thought you should know there's a teacher in Judea that many, many people are talking about. They speak of him as a great prophet. Is this the Christ? John taught his disciples how to know whether the man was actually the Christ. Then he sent them to ask the man directly and to observe the fruits of his ministry. A few days later, John's two disciples found Jesus of Nazareth. Master, one of them said, We have been sent by John the Baptist. Are you the prophesied Messiah to come, or should we look for someone else? Jesus answered with actions. That same hour, he cast out evil spirits and cured many diseases and plagues. After the two disciples had seen the fruits of his ministry, Jesus told them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard here today. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good tidings preached to them. As John's disciples departed, 
Jesus began telling the multitudes what a great man John the Baptist was. He was much more than a prophet. He had come as a type of the prophet Elijah. Jesus said that no greater man had ever been born to a woman. Yet Christ said, everyone in the kingdom of God, after being converted to spirit, would be greater than John had been as a man. Despite all the miracles Jesus had performed, people were not responding by repenting of their sins. He began to rebuke the cities where he had done his mightiest works. Woe unto you in the village of Chorazin, he cried. Woe unto you in Bethsaida. If the mighty works that were done here had been done in the evil cities of Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. It will be more tolerable for them in a day of judgment than for you. Capernaum, do you think you will be highly regarded by my Father in heaven? No. You will go down to the grave. Even Sodom would still be here today if those people have seen the works you have seen. The men of these cities thought they were wise. But Jesus plainly exposed the error in their thinking when he prayed aloud. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you hide these things from the wise in understanding and reveal them unto babes. He was teaching the people that God can only work with those who have a humble spirit. Jesus soon received an unexpected dinner invitation from one of the Pharisees. He had eaten in the homes of tax collectors and sinners and would now eat with a Pharisee named Simon. But the biggest surprise of the day was yet to come. As they sat down to eat, a woman who had heard Jesus would be present at the meal came with a special container of ointment. She began to weep, covering his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair, kissed his feet, and poured the costly perfumed oil in the flask onto them. The woman was showing him great respect. She knew that she was a sinner, and she really wanted to change. If this man were a prophet, he would know that this woman whom he is allowing to touch him is a wicked sinner. Jesus turned to his host. Simon, he said, I need to tell you something. It was as though Jesus had heard his thoughts. Taken aback, Simon said, Yes, master, please continue. There was a creditor with two debtors. One owed five pence and the other fifty. When these two couldn't pay their debt, the creditor forgave them both. Which one do you think loved the creditor most? Well, Simon said thoughtfully. I suppose the one who had the larger debt. Exactly right. Jesus replied, turning to the woman. Do you see this woman? When I came in your house, you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. He was praising this lady's humility and childlike attitude. You didn't kiss me when I came in, but she has not stopped kissing my feet from the moment she arrived. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with costly perfumes. Yes, Simon, he continued. She has many sins, and they are all forgiven because she loved much. To whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. 
The others at the meal looked at Christ, marveling that he would presume to directly forgive someone of their sins. Who is this that forgives sins? One said. Jesus Christ looked down at the woman still kissing his feet. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. She had demonstrated her faith by her actions. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the resources tab at pcg.church. Thank you.